I think the last time that I was on this stage, I was probably repelling from the ceiling in a uh, Master's Commission human video going to rescue someone who was homeless, and I think it happened like right about uh, in this spot right here. So that was the last time that I was on this stage. We've been gone for 14 years, and my, how the time flies, doesn't it? But you know what? I'm so excited to be back at Kingwood Church. Wow, what an incredible church. Can you just give yourself a hand right now for the phenomenal church that this is? And also, I've been very impressed with Pastor Jay West. We have an incredible pastor here and an incredible group of lead pastors that are doing a tremendous job uh, in ministry all over this church. And as I look around the crowd today, I see a lot of familiar faces. Uh, many of you stand out, and listen, memories are just hitting me in the face right now of things that, that we've done, ministry that we were able to do together, meals that we sat down to, and I thought about the stories that I was gonna, going to tell you today, and then I remembered, listen, my mom's going to be here today, uh, my grandmother's going to be here, my brother, my wife, and so I can't stretch this in any way. Uh, and be evangelistic this morning. So uh, help me, God, to tell the truth this morning. Amen. <laughs> hey, if I've forgotten your name or gotten your name wrong in any way, show a little grace today, okay? <laughs> um, because this, listen, I've prayed for many people around the church while we've been gone, and, and I've called your name out before the Lord. So if I've forgotten your name, it just means that you're very spiritual and you didn't need a lot of prayer uh, covering while I was gone. You know, there are, are different tools that we use in the kingdom of God, tools that God has placed in our toolbox to utilize for Him to help us along the way. How many would say, just by a show of hands, I need a little help? And God's given us tools to, to help us. Uh, you wouldn't take a, uh, and listen, I know this is South Shelby County, so uh, some of you have probably done this in South Shelby County, but you wouldn't take a crescent wrench and, and beat a nail in. Now, I know some of you men have done that, right? You wouldn't do that. You would actually get a hammer, and that would be the more appropriate tool for the job. And you would hammer that nail in. You wouldn't, even beyond that, how about a nail gun to uh, nail a nail in? Man, that's even more efficient than a hammer. Or how many of you have had a screwdriver and you've tried to screw a Phillips head screw in and man, it just takes forever, but if you had a power drill, zip, and the screw is in. Come on, God has given us the right tool for the right job, and this is, this is crucial, at the right time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13, it says this, it says, Dear, dear Corinthians... I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. In other words, Paul is saying, come on, God has given you limitless potential. If, it's, if anything has happened to limit you, it's because of you. The smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. In other words, God's given us tools. And in this sermon series, Limitless, we've talked about limitless love in the first week. We've 
last week talked about limitless faith. And today, one of the greatest tools is grace, God's limitless grace. And so, if you will open up right now, open up your life, open up your heart right now to what the Holy Spirit of God would want to do on the inside of you today, that He would expand you on the inside and work in you and through you with His limitless grace. Would you join me in prayer today? Father, I thank you for the mighty power of the Holy Spirit that's in this room today, that you would open hearts, Lord, that you would help us to be everything that you've called us to be, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, limitless grace. His grace draws you. His grace draws you. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. Do you know right now the Holy Spirit of God is in this room and He is drawing you? And God does not sing out, single out one person here or one person there. He doesn't go, you know what, you got your life all together. You're a very spiritual person. Now let me draw you into what I have for you. He draws everyone. And if you will allow Him today, He will draw you into what's going on in your life. In this moment, you will feel Him drawing you towards Him. The Apostle Paul tells us that no one is righteous, not any person, that no one is worthy, that no one deserves the plan of God, that we are made right in His eyes only by the grace of God. Would you just say that with me? Would you say the word grace with me today? Grace. Come on, God's grace. There's this incredible doctrine that's rooted in Arminian theology. It's called prevenient grace. And this doctrine is the beautiful balance between the fiery, anger, judgment side of God to the I want you to succeed in anything and everything. It's the grace of God. This doctrine states that before you ever considered God, before you ever thought that you might serve God, before you ever went to church, before you ever lifted your eyes or, or considered saying a prayer, that God took this into account and He started work in a prevenient way before you could ever come to Him. Come on, that's limitless grace right there. His grace draws you. Paul says it best in Romans. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Would you say that His grace draws us today? His grace draws us, amen? amen? My story of God's prevenient grace in my life started at the age of five. I remember being at a vacation Bible school and I felt the tug of God on my heart. I stepped out and I answered an altar call at Macedonia Baptist Church in Pea Ridge, Alabama, and a lady by the name of Carol Thompson met me at the altar. Carol would later be our teller for many years at Merchants and Planners Bank in Montevallo, but that day she was my altar worker, and with tears streaming down my face, not fully understanding what I was doing. How many know that you don't understand? You don't have to understand what you're doing when you make strides towards God. But feeling this overwhelming this sensation of God's grace, I now know it was God's grace and His love pouring over me. I gave my life at an altar 
and I was forever changed. I told my parents about my salvation. I told my friend Greg, and the next Sunday at our local church, we walked down the aisle together, and we wept and cried before the Lord. The next Saturday, my my dad was at the church. His dad was at the church, and they were filling the baptismal pool, readying us to be baptized. I wish I could tell you that I was in the altar praying, but I was next door at the community center throwing rocks through the windows. Some guy pulled up beside us, and he said, what are you guys doing? We're we're just throwing rocks. Our dads are at the church. We're getting baptized tomorrow. (laughs) Let me know that sanctification's a process. (laughs) Come on, that's a different doctrine for a different day. (laughs) At age seven, I was riding my bike down my grandmother's driveway, and I stopped and leaned it up against the plum tree, which I climbed many times to get a summer snack, and the Spirit of God assaulted me and he said this to me he said I've called you to ministry and I've got a call of God on your life and I'm going to use you throughout your life at seven I had no clue what that meant I just knew that God had spoke to me but just as God is pulling us by his provenient grace so is this world and the spirit of this world tugging on us and trying to remove us outside of the plan of God that he already has put in action before you could ever think about it, before you could ever know it, before you could ever understand it. There's a tug that's pulling on you. The forces of this world are at war with the God of heaven for your soul. In seventh grade, I met a guy who will remain nameless for his sake today, but his words changed my juvenile years. He told me that I was a nerd, but he told me, he said, you're the coolest nerd, so I deem you today king of the nerd herd. (laughs) I fought from that moment on to live that label down over my life, and I played football, I played baseball, I tried to fit in with what I deemed the cool crowd, and I made many compromising decisions, and that took me down wrong paths. When I was a senior in high school, I was no longer king of the nerd herd, but I was actually voted king of the prom. I was prom king my senior year of high school. My freshman year of college was very dark. I fell further into my addictions and drug abuse, using crystal meth, acid, cocaine, marijuana to find some kind of joy in my life as I was coming off a bad trip of acid one night the spirit of God in his provenient grace met me in my dorm room I looked at a fifth century picture of Jesus that my great grandmother kept on her TV why I took that to college with me only God knows he was sitting on my dorm room desk and I looked at it and I said God if you're real I don't even know if you're real anymore, but if you're real, I need change in my life. The next morning, my girlfriend, who was a great girl, and she's still a great girl, but at that time, she was the greatest hindrance in my life. She called me, and she says, I have no clue why I'm about to do what I'm about to do, but I need to break up with you. Come on, have me know that God starts removing obstacles for your life, that before you ever think about coming to you, to him, he already has a, a plan I came home from college on summer break, and after work one night, I was in my bedroom. My Aunt Lisa had the doors locked to this room, and I asked my my dad, I said, what is she doing in my bedroom? He said, son, she's been in there for four hours, and all I hear is screaming and shouting. 
I knock on the door, she unlocks it, and have me know, when, when, when I talk about ugly face, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> she had makeup streaming down her face, and tears, her hair was messy, and anointing oil was on my stereo, it was on my bed, it was on my walls, and she put her finger in my face, and I flashed all the way back to seven years old and the plum tree, and she says, God has called you, he's going to use you in ministry, and I will not stop until you, until you give up and follow God. She pestered me for months. She called me every day until I finally gave in and attended church with her on a Sunday night. I didn't know this then, but the church she attended on Royalty Drive in Alabaster, Alabama, they waited to get crunk on Sunday nights. During that meeting, a girl came up to me during the meeting greet time, and she says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, my crazy aunt's invited me to church, and uh, she wouldn't give up till I came, so I came, and it was Corey Burnett who's sitting over to my left, and you're right this morning. She invited me to a youth small group that was taking place at Monty and Phyllis King's house. When I walk in the door, this crazy, listen, Mark's got some crazy MC students. This crazy MC student met me at the door. His name was Quentin Self, and he says, are you saved? And I lied in the best way I knew how. I said, I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Come on, we get these Christianese, don't we? <laughs> Later on, I asked Corey at the end of this small group, I asked her out on a Friday night if she would go out on a date the next weekend. She agreed with me. But what happens next changed the course of my life for all of eternity. The next morning I woke up and I kneeled down at the foot of my bed. Not knowing what I was doing, I opened my Bibles to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And I read this passage of Scripture. If you profess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. I said, Lord, I believe this. I believe that God raised you from the dead Save me when I got off, off of my knees, I was completely changed. I began to scream. I began to shout. I ran in my dad's bedroom. Listen, my dad worked the night shift at the time. I was jumping up and down on his bed. He said, son, what has gotten into you? I said, Jesus, daddy, Jesus. He said, well, that's great, son. Now let me go back to sleep. I drove the work that morning, and I, I, I chunked cocaine out the window. I chunked marijuana out the window. I chunked a fifth of whiskey out the window. And I watched my, path, my past tumble down the road as God's prevenient grace pulled me back into the kingdom of God. Come on, His grace, God's grace, His grace draws you. Number two, His grace keeps you. Pastor Jason, that's a great story, and it's, it's really inspired me today. But, but I, I've been living this thing out for a while, and I'm tired. I've been living this thing out for a long time, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to give up. Salvation is a great thing, and then I have that. But you don't know what I've been through. My life has been tough, Pastor. 
There's a common misconception, and that's when you come to Jesus, everything in life is now smooth, and it's now easy. Actually, Jesus said, in this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Actually, he's overcome the world. And not only will his grace draw you, but his grace will keep you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 through 15, it says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but they will become strong. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive God's grace. Corey and I lived in West Monroe for about 10 years. And uh, you, may, you may know this, that that's the home of Duck Dynasty. Anybody ever watch that TV show? Listen, that's the real deal. Those guys, yeah, they put on a little act for television, but northeast Louisiana is Duck Dynasty to a T. We were at a cookout one time, and uh, we were at a friend's house. I was on the grill grilling, and up walks Uncle Si, and he's got a gallon of tea with him and a Tupperware cup in his hand. I said, Corey, this is for real. <laughs> what he does on the show, he shows up at the cookout with. Ella Rose, our youngest, walks up to him. He said, hey, Uncle Si. He said, hey, baby, come on, sit down on my knee. And for the next 30 minutes, he bounced Ella Rose up and down on her knee. Come on, these guys are real. You can't make that kind of stuff up. While living in West Monroe, man, that's a great place to live. And we had many memories there. But I can remember not long after moving there, uh, winter was coming on very fast. Corey and I had just bought a house And it was going to drop in the 30s that weekend. And so I had to repair the pipes on the house. I called the gas company to get the gas turned on. The guy told me, said, listen, we can't turn this on. These pipes are in such disrepair. If we do, your house could explode. He said, you need to to change all of these gas pipes. Our heat came from gas. So no pipes, no heat. And so Corey and I took the last dollars that we had in our account. I went to Home Depot and I bought as much pipe as I could to just get our heater turned on. I get back to the house and I realize I don't have a pipe wrench. Come on, the right tool for the right job. I took a crescent wrench and started trying to turn the pipe. That doesn't work, guys. I'm just telling you It doesn't. You're not going to turn a piece of iron pipe with a crescent wrench. And I I tried to do it with my hands, and I couldn't get it tight enough. And I crawl out from under the crawl space of the house, and I'm in the flower bed, and I'm weeping, crying. And I said, God, you've moved us here to destroy us. I said, my family's going to freeze to death this weekend if I don't get these pies. I spent every money I had. I said, Lord, you knew before is what your word says, our needs, and you made provision for us. Before we ever ask, you made provision, God. When I said amen, I put my hand down, and out from under the pine straw came a pipe wrench. I don't know how many years it was laying there. I don't know who put it there. But God, by his provenient grace, laid it in that flower bed for me in that moment to say, God, you know our every need before we ask. And I put my hand down on it. Come on, we got our heat on that weekend, didn't we? 
I, sh- I went to the front door and knocked on the house, and I said, baby, there's a pipe wrench. And she goes, that's great. I said, no, God, God gave it to us. <laughs> Listen, this time, his grace didn't draw me, but his grace kept me. God's grace keeps you. And number three, his grace is enough for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through you, through me. See, he personalizes it. Work through me. I'm going to tell you a few stories that I've experienced in ministry. And time would not allow this morning for me to tell you all of the stories of grace. So I've picked two. We were at an outreach in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And Corey and I, for whatever reason, we like to go down with the crazies to preach the word. And for 20 plus years, we've been traveling to New Orleans during Mardi Gras where the last thing on the person's mind is salvation, but the first thing on God's mind is is for them to get saved. And so we were on New Orleans and a team of about 300 people, uh, we would, listen, that's in your face, slap you in the face, spit on you type ministry. You have to have a moment where you receive back from God for him to empower you. And so we line up on the sidewalk of Bourbon Street and we're singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me with a harmonious choir behind us. It was powerful. People would would, would stop in the middle and they would stop what they were doing with their, their alcohol and their liquor, smoking weed, just swaying back and forth as we sang Amazing Grace. I remember this one kid comes up with this alcohol bowl, a bowl of alcohol. It had a fish. It looked like a fish bowl. The fish was swimming in it and had little different plastic plants in it. And he looks at me and he says, he says, what are y'all singing? I've never felt what I feel right now. I said, we're singing Amazing Grace. He said, I've never heard that song. And I said, you've never heard the song Amazing Grace. He goes, no, I've never heard the song. He's drunk out of his mind. I began to minister the grace of God to him. And that kid gave his life to the Lord right there. He looks at the punch bowl. He looks at me. He looks at the punch bowl. He looks at me. And he poured every bit of it out. And instantly he sobered up as he gave his life to the Lord. Allison, you'll remember you were there when this happened. We followed up with him afterwards. This kid was from Minnesota. We plugged him into the church. And this kid is serving God to this day as we have sang Amazing Grace. Come on, God prevenient grace. While on another outreach in New Orleans, I remember a guy by the name of Ron Trell is ministering to this guy that looks like a thug. And as he's ministering to him, the guy is, is saying, and I come over there because he's getting very irate. He's saying, listen, I, I don't know that what you're saying. You believe, but I don't believe because my brother's laying in the hospital right now, and he's in a coma. I'm not serving a God that does that kind of stuff to people. And Ron Terrell said, number one, God did not do that. You live in a fallen world. 
He said, number two, if God heals your brother right now, would you serve him? Come on, that's pretty bold for a college kid. He said, yeah, I would serve God if he gets up off the hospital bed. He says, Father, simply, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal his brother right now. The guy's phone rings. His mother's, mother's crying on the other end. Son, your brother just woke up from a coma. Out of the guy's pocket comes a wad of cocaine. He throws it down on the street. He smears it on Bourbon Street, and he says, My life has been changed forever today because of what happened. Come on, God's grace draws you. His grace keeps you. And today, His grace is enough for you. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become plain, and he shall bring forth the top stone amid shouts of grace. Grace to it. What's your mountain today? With your mountain in mind, would you just internally begin to shout grace to it? Come on, every one of us in this room today, we come from different walks of life, from different situations from different moments that are going on inside of us and today there might be internal turmoil or external turmoil but I can tell you today that God's grace is enough today you might be in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and if you can't say today I know him I don't I don't know that if I walk if I really walk with him pastor going to ask you today to surrender to his voice. Would you open up your heart today? Could you just bow your heads right now in this moment and allow the Spirit of God to move in this place? Will you open up your heart today and let him in with heads bowed right now? Would you just lift your hand right now and you might say, Pastor, I need the grace of God in my life. I need relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up right now? I can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I know Him, but right now I surrender to Him. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? Just right now in this moment, thank you for the hands. Just a few more seconds, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Spirit of God. If that's you, heads are bowed this morning. You need a relationship with Christ. Would you just lift your hand in this room? Second today, if you're facing a mountain and you need God's grace to keep you today, Jesus said, in this world we'll have many troubles, but take heart. I've overcome this world. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this room, would you just lift your hands and say, I need God's grace to keep me as I'm facing this mountain in my life right now. Would you just lift your hand? All around this room, hands are lifting. Come on, would you just lift your hand this morning? I need the grace of God right now as I face this trouble in my life. Now I'm going to ask you to take it a step further. Our prayer team is coming down right now. And they're going to line up across the front of this altar area. And they want to agree with you in prayer. You know that agreeing with somebody in prayer is one of the most powerful things that you can do because the word says a thousand can be put to flight by one but more than one can put 
10,000 to flight. And this morning, our prayer team is going to agree with you as we go back into worship. I want you to take it a step further and step out of the aisle that you're into the aisle. Step out of the chair that you're sitting in today and make your way down to this altar if you need the grace of God because you don't have a relationship with Him or you need the grace of God as you face something that's a big mountain standing in your way, the grace of God is promised that it will meet you here this morning. Would you stand with me right now? Our worship team is going to lead us back into, into worship. Now's your time. Now is your opportunity step out right now from your chair and come to these altars. Are you hurt?